Wasahbihi Waman Wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream. Uh, today is a Monday in which we um uh, uh we we cover Asbab and Nazur, the causes or the circumstances, not really the cause, the circumstances surrounding the revelation. And it's a sunny yet pretty cold outside, not exactly uh sort of cold day here in the state of New Jersey. Uh, where the winter's coming around the, it's really around the corner. We already got uh, some flurries of snow, which is to me a wonderful thing and a beautiful thing. Uh, but after this, we're going to go to the introduction to the Madiki Method. We have a, a stream. It's not, it's a stream, I guess, but it's a class. And it's a three part class, a crash course introduction on the Madiki Method. Okay. And I'm really excited about that. I have a PowerPoint. I have my books that I'm going to be reading from. And people will, will really get, um, and they're, they're really going to get a good idea what the Magic Method is all about from start to end so that you can navigate. Not only that, we also cover why it's wajib upon a common Muslim to choose a method, no different than it's wajib upon a cancer patient to choose an oncologist or someone who needs a surgery to choose a surgeon. It's wajib. You have no choice. And um, get this hair out of here so I don't look like one of these people who are trying to put bangs. <laughs> uh, that's the thing, you know, with uh, no, no, no offense, but to mention, to, to, you know, they're not really supposed to be talking about um, women. I know that. But, you know, that it's a thing now to have hijab bang. Right. And I'm like, what is the point? Liberal hijab. No offense to uh, to be mentioning that to the sisters; they may get upset that I mentioned that. But I, I, I can see it. You're doing it in public, so I ask questions in my head. It's like, is that supposed to attract me? What is the purpose of that? Right? Who are you trying to attract by that? What message is that? And uh, you know, it's just a. I don't can't say it's a minor thing because nothing in the Sharia is a minor thing. But at the same time, um, you know, I don't need to be hating on on that aspect of things because uh, uh, they already have enough challenges as it is. So they need some, every Muslim should support everyone. And people are weak. That's why like people, we all have weaknesses in upholding the Sharia requires sabr. And the uh, Sharia mentions that how the books of Tasawf, when they talk about sabr, they say sabr ala ta'at wa sabr anil muharramat. Okay. Sabr to do the right thing and sabr to avoid tribulation and sabr ala al the things that are totally out of your control. So there's two things that's going to happen in the world. Either Allah's going to tell you things to do, or things are going to happen, which is Allah's will for you. And you can't, uh, so you have those two, two categories of patience, and you have to have strength for that. So you should never really make fun of somebody because they don't have a strength that you have. And firstly, for us guys, we've never even had to have the test of hijab. Maybe we wouldn't have passed it. That's why Allah made us men, right? We wouldn't have passed that test. That's how we should look at it. So... Anyway, what were, what were we saying even? Oh, this, yes. The, so I'm going to be reading from Qadi Ayyad's Tartib al-Madarik and Sheikh Ahmad Taharayan's book on the, uh, the, the Maliki Madhab. Introduction. The first of the three is going to be Madik's biography, the timeline, how he used to choose his teachers, and who are his main influences with the precursor of why follow a madhab and um, why the Madiki madhab in particular? 
And for that, we're going to be reading from Qadr Ayyad's book, Tartib uh, al-Madarik. He has a whole chapter actually saying the obligation of following a madhab, which is fun, interesting, the obligation uh, of, of, of following the Madaki method. When you, he says that when you learn about it, it becomes fard upon you. Why does it become fard? Because it is obligatory to follow the one who is most worthy of being followed. Okay, so in any event. Where is this going to be? Okay, so where is it going to be? That is the million dollar question. Because uh, it's like you have to get on Telegram and all the information and the links are shared on Telegram. Yeah, let me ask these guys. Assalamu alaikum. Hey guys, everyone keeps asking me where is the link to join this Instagram, uh, you know, this course. Could you just send me a reply with the link? Because I don't know how it works. Like, you're people have to join Telegram or whatever, and how do they get the link for that, etc. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't accepted the Telegram bug. Everyone's on Telegram and Discord. Discord, I get. It's like having a little Microsoft Office or micro Windows meets WhatsApp. That's what Discord is, right? Because Rai told me that you have folders, you have files, you click. There's f- and when someone joins, you can um, you could see all the stuff that's in the past. Whereas when someone joins WhatsApp, we have to repost all the announcements, right? It's annoying because he doesn't see anything in any event. So that's what we're doing, and that's. That's going to be the first section. The second section is Maddox's impact on the main topics of fiqh, of aqidah, of hadith, of usul, and then the major um, uh, the, the, the major features of the madhab. Then we get into the nitty-gritty in the third session where we talk about the mother books, the source books, ummahat of the Maddox madhab the major authors. And there is a lot of names. And nobody should shy away from this and say, oh, I just simplify things for me. No, I'll tell you why. When you worship Allah based on a madhab, you are worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with certainty because hundreds of thousands of scholars, independent of one another, unrelated to one another, disconnected from one another, have looked at this and they have affirmed this is what Allah says. This is what the messenger says. This is what Malik said about it. This was his ijtihad. Okay. And based upon that ijtihad, we can say that on that methodology, on this new matter, he would have said this or the result would be this. Hundreds of thousands. So when we come and in that third session, we say now start listening to these names and you realize this method, it's not just Malik said and we do it. Malik laid down the method and then Hundreds of thousands of scholars have applied this. So you're worshiping Allah based upon a very strong foundation. And that's why the idea of saying, well, all the mujtahids are just men and we're men and we could just always, uh, uh, okay, do it, do it. So am I going to worship Allah based on one smart person or 100,000 smart people? Because that's my afterlife we're going here. If my kid is going to get a surgery or take a medicine, am I going to take a medicine, give him a medicine that one smart person said? Hey, Rai, could we do purple today? I'm into purple for some reason. Yeah. Uh, can, yeah, nice. Am I going to worship, give my kid medicine or surgery based on one smart person? 
or 100,000 doctors over the past 30 years have signed off on this methodology, right? Which one are you going to feel more comfortable with? Someone says, well, why don't I just look at the sources myself? Go ahead and do it and rely, go to the woods, get the berries, right? And cure your own kid. Would you do that, right? Do you have time for that? So we're all muqallids on that. Now, I want to begin with a story because a lot of people loved the story of the awliya that we mentioned that the miraculous answered prayer. I'm telling you, you hear these things, Allah Ta'ala, the ijabah of his dua, it's, it's with people. And the unseen, it's really not that far off. It just requires belief, rectify your aqidah, and avoid sins. And you will live with these things. And if you don't live with them, Listen to the stories of the people who live with them. I'm going to tell you a story about a, uh, uh, a man. And the source of the story is a man living today as an imam in Utah. Okay. His name is Sheikh Yasser. I never met him. I want to actually go uh, out to Utah to meet him. He, he's a scholar of, of... He's an Egyptian scholar, and he's also a man who is very keen on in the in the in the zuhud and ibadah and dhikr and these things and those are the types of people who who have these experiences so he has a neighbor and this neighbor is from the for, former communist countries and the, those muslims from like uzbekistan azerbaijan they they don't islam is like a memory for them like the communists came and erased all of that for multiple generations now so he ends up the the father dies and so he goes and he, he, uh, he con- gives condolences to his son. And they did the burial and everything. So he said that it's, a, it's like a habit in the, when we bury somebody. It always happens that within like two to three weeks, they'll see a vision of their loved one and it will calm them down. It'll make them happy, right? It'll give them sakina. And this is not something abnormal. This is something that is is mashhud for, it's testified to throughout the history of the Ummah. And it's testified to by regular Muslims. This is not something just for the scholars, just for the uh, people who are into ibadah and dhikr and these things. This is something that's for, it's just testified to across the board. So the guy looks at him. Now, the father was, he was a physician in Azerbaijan. He ends up like learning that there is something called Islam and we're Muslims like way later in his life. And he admits like, I, I know this is my dean, but I don't know anything about it. And it's amazing because there are like Circassian Americans here in America today who came over like three generations ago and in their 50s and 60s realizing, oh, my, I have a religion, right? And they discover it later on. It happens to people. Forget these countries. Arabs, Syrians, Egyptians who grew up with the elite and with the uh, secularism and their fa- parents siding with these secular regimes and living their whole life upon that culture and discovering way later in life. This is serious, right? This is something I should, should consider. So it happens. and the, But the son is here in America and the son was of... Like he got into like, you know, Quran and Sunnah and Hadiths and Salafi and stuff. He got into that, right? And that's understandable when someone is 
coming in to Islam, it's like the first person who clicks with you or the first lecture that you like to hear, you jump on that. Whatever. It's no, uh, we're not going to pass a judgment on that. So, but why do I mention that? Like, do I mention that like to, to, to put someone down? No, not at all. But because the sheikh said to this young man, he said, it's, it's customary. You'll see a vision of your father, inshallah, or someone in the family will see that and it will calm the, their hearts, right? And the reason I said that, because we know, and it's not something abnormal, that the Salafiyah, they're not really into these things. Ru'ya and all these things of the spiritual side. So he looked at him like he was crazy. Anyway, they're maintaining good relations, and that's why I'm telling you it's so important to maintain good relations with people. So he ends up, as a neighbor, dropping off this imam who has a separate career in business. He drops him off to the airport one day. This is a couple weeks later. And he notices he wants to bring up a topic. Like, he's looking at him funny. And he's like, what's going on? He's like, remember what you said the other day about the visions and the dead will come back to you? Because, firstly, we don't even believe in death. Death just means you left this world. It didn't mean you don't exist anymore. You just moved on, right, to a barzakhi realm. It's just a different realm. So, but as the Prophet was asked by Sayyidina Umar, أَمَعَنَا أُقُولُنَا when we die, do we take our intellects with us? He said, yes, everything is with you, right? The Prophet said, na'am. Everything is with you. Your consciousness does not disappear. Your soul does not disappear. You just move from one place to another. And that's why the sheikh, this is so common to him, he called it the immigration process. You immigrated, you literally migrated from one abode, this dunya, which is all we know. And that's why it's hard to talk about this because this is all we know. And the barzakh, we know nothing about it except what we get, of course, from Revelation, from Sunnah, but also in terms of what visions and we ha- uh, of the dead that have come back to us. Okay. And we have our trusted imams, Ash-Shafi'i, Ahmadik ibn Anas, they've talked about it too, in terms of the experiences of the dead and those who just died and the visions of the dead. They talked about it. They trust it. They believe in it. So we believe in it too. So we know that a Shafi, for example, came to one of his companions in a dream after his death, sitting on a throne. And he said, why did you, by what did Allah elevate you? Was it your book, Kitab al-Um? Was it your book, Al-Risala, in, in Usul al-Fiqh? What was it that Allah elevated you like this? He said it was because of, in the introduction, I believe, of Al-Risala, or Kitab al-Um, I can't remember, he, is, he wrote, a special salah on the Prophet Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammadin kullama dhakarahu dhakirun wa ghafl an dhikrihi al-ghafilun. So he said, I have praised the Prophet, peace be upon him, for every moment that the heedless forget about him and those who remember him, remember him, mention him, which means at every moment, right? So he said by that. So we believe in these things. And anyway, the sheikh is so accustomed to this, he calls it the immigration process. It takes usually two, three weeks to just adjust yourself. You go to another country, adjust yourself, then I'll find a payphone and contact you. Like that, right? It's going to take a while. So he said, well, my son saw his grandfather in a dream, in the dream. And he, and he said he was wearing a beautiful thobe, and he hugged him, and he said, in a few days, I'll come to you. Uh, to your father like tell him in a few days I'll come to your father so a few days passed 
Now, uh, the man did his business trip. He comes back. He picks him up from the Utah airport. And on the way back, now, he want, he looked like he kept glancing at him. He wanted to bring up a topic again. And he, he said, what is it? He said, this time I had a dream of, of my father. And he said, um, so what was it? He said, I was walking and I saw an amazing marble palace in this dream. Amazing marble palace. All white marble and then solid gold tips, edges, designs on, the, on this palace. And it was an amazing marble palace. And I walk in to the palace. Lo and behold, it's my father's palace. He's the owner of this palace. And he finds his father sitting on a throne with a face of shock. Like, I can't believe I'm here. Like, how am I here? And he finds servants, like wonderful, handsome servants pampering him, like youthful and beautiful servants pampering the father, bringing him. And he says, this place is amazing. If you want water, you don't have to do this. It just comes in your mouth. Like the moment, and that not that the description of Jannah? There's, there, there's no means to ends. Like in this world, you have to take a means to an end. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. There's lessons, there's employment, there's a lot of wisdom in that. But in the Akhirah, there's no means. So he said, this is an amazing place. If you want to drink water, you just think about it and it comes into your mouth. You like You don't have to move. Nobody has to go get it. So he then said, it's as if I'm in a mandatory vacation. Right? Like someone puts your, a gun to your head and said, enjoy yourself, right? And it, like a mandatory vacation. Imagine that. And that's how he described himself. But now, I don't know. I hope that he gave me permission to, ter- to, to narrate this to everybody. And I hope he included this part. But I'm going to include this last part because I think it's very important. And it's again, it's not to insult anybody or say anything bad about somebody. But he said that he told the youth, he said, that's an amazing sign, and I hope you're like you're happy now, like you feel solace. Your father's been treated with generosity by Allah Ta'ala in this manner. And if Allah is generous, it's, it's not like me and you being generous, right? When Allah is generous, it's, it's the height of happiness. Like there's no happiness beyond that. So he said, well, it's just a dream at the end of the day. He didn't realize like this is haqq. What did Maddox say about visions? When he said, can anyone interpret these dreams? Maddox said, with the wahi of Allah Ta'ala, meaning a true message from Allah. That's what he meant by wahi here. Because the Prophet called it wahi. Do we play games with this? This is haqq. If it's a true vision, of course there's vision from shaitan, and there's vision of the nafs, and there's vision from Allah. That's haqq. And each one has a sifa, an attribute, because there's no point in telling us there are three visions and you can't decipher between the three. No, we can decipher. Just like Surah Al-Baqarah tells us there's Muslims, kafirs, munafiqs. Is there a value in telling us there's Muslim, kafir, and munafiq, mu'min, kafir, and munafiq without signs that we can decipher them? There's no point. Is there a point to tell us there's Islam, Iman, Ihsan, without any way of deciphering? 
There's no way, there's no point in telling us this. So when the prophet tells us this, there are ways of deciphering the false dream from the true dream from just the thoughts of yourself. And anybody who honestly reads the Turath, our legacy, these, these stories are all over the books. All over the books. So why would it be a surprise that it happens today? In our, did, did anything change? Have, met, have the heavens been modernized and they don't do this stuff anymore? Right? And the angels don't exist anymore? The Ruh and the Barzakh, that just doesn't exist? Is it only from the classical times with the dreamy era of the Arab Khilafah and stuff? No. This is the Haq. Whether it's now, whether it's the year 3000, whether it's the year 5030, if, we ever, if life continues to that, the same thing happens, has to happen. And the Samawat never change. The rules of the heavens never change. Our Iman changes. So, but my point in saying this, that he didn't really take it as much, right? Whereas this would be a big Bishara if you understood. It's a, you would, there have been ulama who have held celebrations, like in terms of they would slaughter and feed the people out of shukr for these types of things, for the tuma'nina that it gave them, the bishara that it gave them. So he said that, no, oh, it's just a dream. And, and the reason I say this is that uh, it's so important for us to understand the important, the, 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 that you need iman to believe in these things. You, if you have a lot of sins, you won't believe in them even if it happens to your own self, okay? You just have to have a lot of strength of faith. Um, and, and that is betrust by a lot of recitation of Quran, a lot of ibadah, and, and learning from the right people. Because if you learn from people and you trust people, your trusted sources tell you, this is a bunch of nonsense, right? And it's a bunch of sihr and shawada. No, sihr and shawada exists. Shawada is, it's like, superstitions that border upon like sinfulness and even maybe even kufr that's shawada it's like paganism almost um we're totally against that but it has a sign and the haq has a sign and we you believe one and you reject the other that's why these things exist so that we could actually our iman could be strong so he didn't really think much of it. And that's something that I believe that maybe in the future that'll change for him. But um, you need to be taught by the right teachers uh, who don't mix between these things and, and, you know, pagan nonsense and superstitions and fakery. Yet at, uh, yet at the same time, it does require us to purify our hearts and to, uh, to do a lot of ibadah so that you can actually understand that Allah Ta'ala does send messages to people in this world that we live in. It just simply doesn't have, there's never a hukum shara'i on it. It never alters the aqidah. And it can be a yaqeen. It can be yaqeen. You can believe in it with absolute certainty. Yet we also hold that that certainty is not the same as the certainty of the mutawatir matters of aqidah. So even when we say it's a fact, facts have levels. Facts have levels, right? I myself, for example, receive, see something here on my screen. It's a fact to me. I see the book that I'm reading from, I see it from my screen. But for you to believe it, it's ahad. It's ahad. It's only a one, you're, you have to believe one person. That person is fallible. He makes mistakes. He could be. He can even lie. He could commit sins every once in a while, right? 
So for you, that level of yaqeen is lower than for me, whom I'm an eyewitness to what's on my screen, right? So uh, that's the concept of uh, levels of yaqeen. So, and that's why certain things, you may totally believe in it, but you only tell people who trust you. Why? Because it's yaqeen for you. But it's not yaqeen for anybody else. Nobody else has to believe this. And if you were to say, all right, listen, I'm not saying you're a liar. I can't say you're a liar. To accuse someone of lying is a legal status, right? You have to have proof. Kedheb, that's his status, right? You actually have to have proof that he's a kedheb. So you have to have a, a waqi', a reality, and you have to have his statement, and they must conflict. And he must fully be aware of the waqi', because otherwise he's muqti'. I tell you that um, it's snowing outside. I could just be making a mistake. So that's a different thing. So, but I have to, you have to have proof that I'm fully aware of the waqa, which is the reality. Because what is a liar? A liar, he speaks what is opposite of the reality, right? And on one hand, he could just be making a mistake. And the other hand, he's intending it. So you have to have proof. There has to be a waqa first. And there has to be ilm, knowledge, that he knows about it. And he's intentionally speaking that way, Right? And he didn't misspeak, and he didn't misunderstand the waqa. If you have that, then you could say he's a liar. So, I can't see, I don't know what you know and what you see, so I can't call you a liar. But I don't have to believe you either. What requires me to believe you? A man comes and says, oh, I had XYZ happen to me. I can't prove it, right? I either trust the person, and I believe you based upon my trust in you. So my belief in that incident is not like your belief. It happened to you. I'm just believing you. And to, to, to rely on, a, a, to believe in something based upon the one wit testimony of a faulty human being, meaning he has the potential to, to make mistakes and forget, is a low level of trust. It's lower than the person who experienced it himself. Okay. Unless the trustworthiness of this person goes through the roof. Like, I, he, for 50 years, whatever he says is true. Then it's different, right? Like the elders of the ummah, who, whose track record is public, is for everyone out there, and, and they, they don't have any of this, uh, the errors, mistakes, when they transmit something. Okay? So this is extremely important uh, concept to understand when we talk about spiritual matters, where are we putting it epistemologically and why? That's essentially the kalam element. That's where ilm al-kalam, the knowledge of epistemology and the sourcing of evidence and the grading of evidences, it applies to tasawwuf, big time. And if you don't know this, you can go astray in tasawwuf. And many turuq do this. Their shaykh will say one thing, they'll elevate it to qat'i knowledge that every Muslim must believe in. And if you don't believe in it, you're like, your iman is weak. That's not true at all. I don't have to believe in any of these things. Not one. Do I have to believe in it? But I can't call you a liar, right? So that's, the, you have to understand this nature. Uh, we can take the same epistemolo epistemology to, to claims in this world, criminal claims. If a, if a person comes to me and he says, I was totally gypped by this person and abused, happens all the time, right? I say to that person, I can't say you're a liar. And I can't act upon what you're saying either 
there's no proof here. Like if someone accused, if you if you were to accuse some your neighbor of something, I would believe you. I can't say you're a liar, but I cannot now act differently towards your neighbor. I can't. If someone was to come and say to me, your employee totally mistreated me, blah, blah, blah. That's your narration of what happened. I can't say you're a liar. If I know you, I may believe you. But I cannot fire my employee unless you provide me proof. Oh, when we were walking in the hallway, he gave me a dirty look. And he said, you know, you're just blah, 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 blah. Said bad things to me. Unless that I get five different people telling me this stuff, it's a had to me. It's just a narration. It's, I can't say it's a true or false. I can't say you're a liar. But I, I'm not going to fire him either because I don't have, it's only one ahad narration. So you understand this is the value of Aydin Mid-Kalam. It's just, it's common sense. It's logic to me that you have to weigh evidences and you have to scale them. If there are any questions on this subtopic, just put it here real quick because... Um, it's an important subtopic, and I want to make sure everyone understands it. Before we get to the Esbab and Nuzul, we're going to do that for a little bit, and then we are going to take open QA. Yeah. He talks about certainty versus faith. Is that the same concept? So the, the prophets, they have certainty because they actually experience truth. Yeah, we can have certainty too. We can have certainty too. 100%. We have certainty. Like, for example, if, 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 if a person has a, a, um, an experience, that experience leads him to certainty, right? But when you tell me about that experience, it's much lower unless you have a standing with me in terms of your, your honesty. Not just honesty, accuracy. Because some people say, they're not a liar. He doesn't tell lies. Which is true. But he may not also... His eyesight may not be perfect. His perception may be perfect. He may have seen something and jumped to a conclusion, told you the conclusion, right? So uh, that happens all the time. Like you see one thing, that's a fact. You then make an assumption. There's a little leap there. Then you transmit the conclusion, right? And this happens a lot of times. It happens a lot where people will genuinely just make a little bit of a leap and we call that al-ilzam. Ilzam is really important for us to know. Ilzam means it's, it's a leap to a conclusion. Like I see one thing and I make the conclusion that because of A, B. Then I go transmit B. And people look at the honesty in my face. I'm totally honest. But I made a mistake, right? I made a mistake. And that's, this is, happens all the time. And people say, well, he looks really honest. That's true, but he could make a mistake. And al-ilzam, al-talazum, is the subtopic. You have to understand really well that certain things, you can't always make a leap. Uh, let me try to give an example. Um, if I see a guy, uh, I don't know what kind of example to give, right? About a, a, a mistake in talazum. Okay, here's a great one. Here's a great one. I asked Sheikh, uh, Sheikh if someone is dancing to a song, right? Dancing to a song uh, at the gay pride parade. Can, that person's got to be a kafir, right? You're a kafir. 
He said, no. He said that we need more evidence. Why? He said, moving to a beat never is, cannot be uh, directly an implication of belief in what the song is saying. He says, because a human can naturally be, uh, move his finger to a beat, move his palm to a beat, move his knee to a beat, but not even know what's being said and or not believe in what's being said. So he said, dancing, moving with something, right? Does not necessitate, it, it, the, the beat is separate from the content. He said, walking in the parade. He said, that's not necessarily a thing either. He says, because when you walk in a place, you may walk in a place and, oh, there's a parade here, right? So, but if you know now the person purposely went there, and purposely confirmed their presence there, then yeah, right? So that's the difference. But notice how the scholarship, the talazum element, that this action necessitates this, they really look hard at that, and they break it apart, right? So next time you see somebody, and he's at a coffee shop, and now it's Thanksgiving, so soon it's going to be Christmas season, and some of these Christmas jingles are on, and you see someone talk, you know, moving their knee with it, it doesn't mean he believes in Christmas because the beat is one thing and the words are another thing. And their location at that place, okay? I saw a guy walking out of a restaurant that has khamr. Maybe he was had an appointment there, didn't know there was khamr there and sat far away from the khamr. I saw a man sitting with a wine glass at the table. Maybe he had a meeting with somebody and that person brought another person along with them who wasn't even a Muslim and that person ordered alcohol so talazum is something that means it's the the leap to a conclusion and you have to break it up and be very cautious how you make a leap to conclusions so that's why honesty is not by itself enough yeah where's the mic for this uh side there is a mic right there pull that mic use the, at least put it close enough that people could hear and Rai could see if it's connected to the uh, Okay, go ahead. Um, so with respect to Iman, yeah. on the flip side, because there's a hadith where the Sahaba, or a lot of the Sahabi, they said that they left the Prophet Muhammad and then they wondered whether they were actually Muslims or not. Where does Iman fall actually being considered a Muslim on that scale when you say certainty is the highest level? Yeah. And then uh, as a Muslim, how do you know that you are truly a believer, I guess? Like, because he said that if you have regret and you who don't like these ideas and these feelings that you have, then you are a Muslim. Yes. Uh, so uh, uh, how does that compare to this? Is it, is it in the same context to this as well? How, it's, I guess it's the other side of the coin, so to speak. So the question would actually be, how does someone have any certainty or knowledge that they're a believer, right? Yes. Here, stick this over here, because uh, if you, the, 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 these mics are so sensitive, if you touch them, they all get all the touch. They can hear the touching. So uh, the question would be, that a, a person is a Muslim if they utter the kalima, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, and none of their beliefs contradict what is known in religion by necessity. You can't say, la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, but also I believe Jesus is also the Son of God. Or I also believe that there's no resurrection. Or I believe that the, the day of judgment and heaven and hell is, 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 is a spirit world. It's not physical. Like, you cannot hold a belief that is contradicts what is known in religion by necessity. And you cannot do things that would defile or disrespect 
symbols of the word that you just uttered because you can't you negate it so la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah and then you would desecrate the name of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's a negation you just negated that word that's how simple it is but who is a mu'min is somebody who the prophet gave attributes to the mu'min the mu'min and and that's why we're supposed to try, try to follow up with these attributes they care about wudu they love the ansar they love going to masajid these are basic things that where the prophet said if people do this testify that they have iman Right. And there are many such hadiths. And that's how we could also look at the hadiths of hypocrisy. And if you're, if you're fleeing from hypocrisy, for example, the Quran says that they don't make much remembrance of Allah. So you flee from that by making much remembrance of Allah. So you, when you see someone fleeing from hypocrisy and fleeing to the signs of iman, then we may testify that that person has iman they're 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 Sayyidina ali was asked are the kharijites hypocrites he said they flee from hypocrisy they make much remembrance of allah right so are they kafir they fled from kufr right they utter the kalima so what are they he said he said they're our brothers but they rebelled against us that's how simple it is so that's how uh uh dit sarah uh, did sarah says um, what are the attributes of a true dream? It's short. It's f- it's filled with symbols. It's symbolic. It has symbols. Dreams are not real in the sense of they're, they're images. They're mithat. That's why you can have a dream that Allah speaks to you. It's not that Allah spoke to you in in a in a in a real sense, but it is a message from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, Imam Ahmad had the. And he said it all the time. Allah, 99 dreams in which Allah spoke to him. And so uh, it's short. It has symbols to it. And, and, and a person wakes up with a great feeling of sakina in their heart. And sometimes it's direct truth. Like a straight as it is. Right? That's a type of true dream. That means uh, I dreamt someone knocked on the door and gave me a package. You wake up, someone knocks on the door and gives you a package. Like that's actually a type of true dream. But it's not this. It's not. That's doesn't make it superior than other types so that's an example of uh, those are some of the uh, the uh, uh, attributes uh, of a true dream sure it's symbolic and the, the world of dream interpreters is almost like the world of hadith scholars the world of hadith scholars they study hadith so much when they hear hadith that's not true they can tell right away like there's no way even many of you Right, if I, I if I made up a hadith right now, you're like that doesn't sound like hadith. Like it does just doesn't have the language and the, the style of a hadith. Or I can recite to a non-Arab a verse of the Quran and a verse of the Bible in Arabic, and they'll know right away. Oh, that's not Quran, and he doesn't even know Arabic. So there is in the same way that there is an there is a style, there is a taste to Quran. There is a taste to hadith. There's also, like, the, the, the dream interpreter world, and I've spoken to a lot, they, they could tell the difference, right, between the two. That's another attribute on top of that. It's not really hardcore science, to be honest with you. Like, interpretation maybe, but to know the difference between a nightmare from shaitan, a thought in your own head, and a vision from Allah, that is not hard. 
Because anything that happens constantly to human beings cannot be too difficult. Think about it. The things that, that happen all the time to human beings can't be too difficult, right? How do you go to the bathroom? Do you need to set and it happens all the time. How do you procreate, right? You don't need education on this, right? When you get married, you don't need education. The, the education from, re, from Revelation on this is one thing. Meaning, do not go directly into procreation, but you should have foreplay first. It doesn't even say that in an explicit sense, like it wouldn't be befitting, right? But what the Quran says is, have precursor. Have a precursor. Introduce it slowly. And that, physically, when, when there is foreplay between a husband and wife, then the fluids necessary to render intercourse not, no longer painful for either side, they come out. Those fluids come out. Okay? And therefore, the intercourse is not painful. If it's just dry, it's painful. So, then, and then the Prophet forbade uh, anal sex right uh and that's it like it certain things do not require much complication and things that happen it's a philosophy right things that are of everyday life cannot be too complicated that's how simple it is my skin's unhealthy go get some sun put some oil on not the end right my lips are chafed drink water like certain basic things that happen all the time what is sakina sakina is a tranquility in the heart it's a, it's a sense of tranquility. All right, let's read from Asbab al-Nuzul, Surah al-Infitar. I hate when they do this. Why do you do this to me? Surah Al-Infitar, Akhraja Ibn Abi Hatimin an Ikrimah, Min Kawlihi Ya Ayyuhal Insan, Ma Gharraka Bi Rabbika Al-Kareem. O human being, what has deluded you into thinking evil? Like the, the missing Ma Gharraka, what's deluded you regarding your generous Lord? Well, there's a missing thing. What's deluded you in what way? Thinking, thinking evil of your generous Lord. And he says it has come down in Ubay ibn Khalaf. There's not a lot of entries in these. In this, we're reading from Suyuti's Asbab al Nuzul. Not everything has an entry. By the way, what do you all think of my new glare free glasses? Did you notice a difference? Yeah. Glare free. I didn't get the glare free for, for a couple of years because there was the first wave of the technology had a greenish hue to it and i didn't like that so i didn't get glare free for years right and then i got these again i got the same i'm like the type of person who gets who i i i, I circle the website and the product number and i just keep buying the same thing same thing pants shoes everything i i know the product name and i don't have to think anymore i don't have to sit and choose and pick boom i got that so um I've hated, I've, I, it's been way too long. I should have done this like two years ago. Ever since COVID, we had streaming all day, every day. Surah Al-Takwir, Akhraja Ibn Jaririn wa Ibn Abi Hatimin an Sulaiman Ibn Musa, qala, lamma nazalat liman sha'a minkum an yastaqim, for whomever of you wishes to be upright. Allah revealed this. Whoever of you wish, be upright. Liman sha'a minkum an yastaqim. Abu Jahl said, okay, 
if we want to be upright, we can. If we don't want to be, we won't. Right? That Allah revealed, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَن يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ This is really important. This is a really important verse in Surah Al-Takweer about Qadr and will. Nothing that you... He's basically saying, Oh, Abu Jahl, Ya Kafir, generally. Don't ever imagine that you're ever outside the will of Allah. And the will of Allah, the irada of Allah, there is one will in the entire universe. And that is Allah's will. Okay. Separate rida Allah from iradatullah. Rida Allah is what pleases Allah. And Allah Ta'ala does not, is not limited to willing what He's pleased with. He wills what He is not pleased with for wisdom. We, human beings, our will is bound. We must do what pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And generally, we human beings, we would, we would not do what we don't like to do. That's a general thing for human beings. If you do, you have a problem, such as an addict. right? You know that this is going to harm you to drink alcohol like this and get yourself drunk. Yet you do it anyway. That we need an intervention here. Okay, uh, you're deluded about something. We can't let you act upon that and harm yourself. Okay, you're deluded in thinking that someone's out to get you. This is some people have the mental sickness like this, and trust me, there was a, a, a brother one time who was a normal brother, and then he began to get paranoid, and to began to say that certain government agencies from around the world are out to get him then his wife may Allah reward her had suffered with him and took him to to get treatment he took pills medical treatment purely physical medical treatment and he's healed from it it's amazing the mind and to me mental disorder is the scariest thing it's the scariest thing right because you don't know who you're talking to or what's going on here but to me, it's one of the great feats of science to be able to treat this. What would they do in the old days? Who knows, right? What they would treat somebody who had this paranoia, uh, paranoid schizophrenia. So he would, he was, um, and, and when I say this, I'm not saying this to, uh, of course, make fun. You make fun of that, Allah will bring it to you. He doesn't bring it to you, bring it to your family. This is the scariest thing. You cannot play around with Allah's creation. He will hurt you, Right? You will get paid back what you did to other people. And if you don't get, this is a really scary thing. If you think you're tough, be tough. He'll bring it to your kids. I knew a person, he used to make fun of a, 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 a youth. He, as children, he used to make fun of someone who was slow, mentally slow. He used to make fun of him. Everyone just stop making fun of him, right? It's like, you can't make fun of certain things. It's not his choice. If you make fun of something that someone's doing that is not their choice you only have leeway in it if your mockery of it is a way to keep people away from it like if some if a group of people are evildoers and they have so much steam that they're influencing people to join them and the only way to get people away from them is to mock them that's permissible this is why the prophet coined the term abu jahl right abu lahab the Quran brought Abu Lahab. Why? He's leading people away from the truth. 
he's a terrible influence. And the way to get people away to not be influenced by that is to mock it. So you are allowed to mock certain things. If that thing has so much momentum, it's misguiding people. And if it's not, then you don't have the right to mock it, right? Because that's like you're kicking someone when he's down. So um, he used to make fun of this kid. He went on, had a successful career, very smart, married and happy. His son had mental disorders. And his son was like, like it was pretty pitiful. And you would hate to be around his son. Right? You, you would despise to have to spend time with his son because of the way he acted and talked and looked and everything about him. Like, not despise it in a moral sense, but physically. No one would want to be around him. No one would enjoy their time with him. Okay, live with him now and live with everyone making fun of him. The stubbornness of this person, he never made repentance. He never connected the two. I can't believe it. He never connected. This is where Allah says, Do you not have an intellect to connect the two? Al-aql does not just mean it's, it's, it's a connection. It says, what does aql do? It ties. When you tie something, what are you doing? You're connecting them all together. So the, the, the hobbling cord is a wrap around the feet of the animal that you're hobbling. Usually it's the camel, right? The camel is, is more rebellious than the horse. The horse, if you just tie the neck to a thing, it's tamed already. The camels are hard to tame. So they used to take a rope and they used to wrap the legs of the camel together. If he tries to walk, he won't be able to. He'll sit, right? He can't walk. It's called the hobbling cord. That's what aql is. You're connecting. So al-aql is connection between the two. You didn't connect. People told him. The, the cure for your son, he can be cured. Allah can do anything. It's your tawbah. Make tawbah. Make tawbah for what you did. And even that, even if he stays sick, it would be with rahmah. There can be rahmah in sickness, right? You want to, uh, I personally hold, and Allah knows best, but Down syndrome is a terrible sickness. But it's a terrible sickness. Nobody wants their kids to have Down syndrome. But you cannot tell me that that sickness is the same as certain types of autism, where it's extremely difficult to have an autistic child. I pray for everyone who has one. It's, I cannot imagine the tribulation they're in. When I see a child who has uh, Down syndrome, you see, seem like the angels are floating around these kids, Right? It is a sickness, it is a hardship, but I also believe that Allah has surrounded that hardship with some rahmah, if you ask me. There's no say that it's, 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 it's not a hardship on the family. It's got to be. One of the hardships is they die young. To, to see your own child die young, that's an extreme thing, right? Extremely difficult thing. But I also, can't, I also have to note that I've, we all have seen I th- believe a lot of people, right, have seen that uh, people with Down syndrome put a smile on everyone's face. I was at a one time at a masjid, right, where a, cha- uh, a youth with Down syndrome was there. And the way that he was reacting to the recitation, everyone was smiling. 
the whole masjid, like the way that it, because they're not even, they're not conscious of themselves. It's pure, right? That's an element in that, in this sickness that it's a, it's a positive. It's coming out of just total purity, right? And so there can be sickness with rahmah. So he may stay sick, but with rahmah, with lutf. Allah Ta'ala can make hardship easy. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, You make hazn is hardship, huzn is sadness. Hazn with a fatah is hardship. Allah, you have the power to make a hardship not only easy, but very easy. Sahlan sahla. Very easy. And it's not to say that the, 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 the parents with Down syndrome, they're having it easy. We can't say that, right? And diminish what they're going through. But there can be some edges of, of rahmah with the, sick, with the hardship. So uh, that's the concept and the idea here. So uh, how we got to that subject, I can't... Oh, mocking. So the mockery, right? The mockery of people has a place and it doesn't have a place. So you have to understand where it has a place. So when you when there is a tyrant, let's say the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, when they're going and they're bullying people in Gaza and we mock them, you're mocking somebody that that mockery is, you're not mocking like someone who's just committing, you're mocking something as a way number one to make people no longer sympathize with them to take people away from them that's where it's permissible otherwise Prophet is Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab okay when the mockery is personal then the Prophet what did he do he put the stop button he said Ikrimah the son of Abu Jahl Ikrimah is coming don't say Abu Jahl anymore do not mention his father anymore like uh, that's the general meaning of that do not don't put down his father anymore. The son is here, and a son will still a sensitivity to the father is to sensitivity to the father's side of Abu Jahl, not to the kafir side. Remember what we talked about the iltizam and mulazima? Someone sympathizing with a kafir may be because of the relations they have and the past that they have together, not because of his kufr. So we have to also keep that in mind too. Someone says, I love Ronaldo. It doesn't mean he loves his kufr. Because, I don't know, he's not a Muslim. We know that, right? Uh, it just means I love him as a soccer player. If I love Steve Jobs as an inventor, not as the jerk that he was, right? Because he was. I wouldn't want to be in the same room with him. I would have wanted to work with him. I would have worked with him. Because he was... But I would have to have no strings attached. Like, I, I can't have any other relationships. Because he will demand. He will demand that, Right? And um, after working with him, then maybe you can add on another relation. He was just crazy in that respect. But if I love, I love the work aspect. I don't like his, for his aqid or anything. That's the, so a talazum there. So Aikrimah had feelings towards his dad. Positive feelings. How about Abdullah ibn Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul? So the hypocrite is called Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. His son is also called Abdullah. Many people get confused by that because the Arabs were not accustomed to naming after the father. But he named his son after himself. So, if I'm not mistaken, it could have also been that the Prophet changed his name from Abd something, Abd al-Uzza to something else. Allah knows best. I can't uh, say for sure. But they're both called Abdullah. When it, Abdullah ibn Ubay had done something that was worthy of, uh, it was treachery. He had said, 
that I'm going to expel. When we go back to Medina, I'm going to expel these lowly Muslims, right? Isn't that an act of rebellion? So his son thought that this is a, he's going to get executed. So he said to the Prophet wasallam, O Messenger, if you execute my father, let me do it. Because if anybody else does it, I might have something in my heart towards them. Yes, he deserves to be executed. He's a munafiq and a rebel. And, and he's, he's, he did a crime, committed a crime of, that's worthy of capital punishment. But I still, he's still my father. I might have a feeling there towards the person who executes my father. So let me be the one who does it. So again, you can have a connection to somebody that's, relate, that's a different than their disbelief. Okay. And why is this important to mention? It's, it's even, all the more important to mention in a world that's all mixed up. Like, everything is mixed up here. And that calls into, uh, it brings into play the concept of, uh, of, of adab when we talk about people and sins. And many people will think, oh, you're being soft. You're being soft with the enemy of Allah. No, I'm not being soft with the enemy of Allah. I'm being soft with the people connected to the enemy of Allah. That is such an important point. Like someone may commit a serious, you know, sin and a serious harm to the community and they're completely astray and they should be warned about and they make your blood boil. But they may have a kid who's not. They may have a, 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 a wife, a husband, a mother, a father, a, a best friend. That's not. Why isolate that person? Like why would you... So, Oh, well, if they don't like it, tough luck for them. That's not how life is. Relationships aren't like that. So you go off and you bash a group of people. You are also hurting the people connected to them. And the way that Allah's created the world is that there's connections all, everyone's connected. There's a reason for that. It's so that there's an increased chance of guidance. Ever notice that sometimes a, a righteous household, but their kids are just regular? And then a, a household that's just totally astray, and the kid's amazing. The amazing mu'min, salih, is not needed in the righteous household. They're already righteous, right? That family, if, imagine all the souls are there and they're being assigned. Okay, you're going to be his kid, you're going to be his kid, right? You're going to be his parents. You would want the dud to be assigned to the righteous parent, to the really smart parent who can figure out every problem. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't it make sense that the challenging kid goes to that household, not to the household that's already astray? He's going to go further astray, right? Just trying to think of that logic, and the household where the kid is so pure-hearted, right, and so good and so righteous, shouldn't he go to the parents who need dua when they die? Should it? Wouldn't it make sense? Like that's like logically. If you ever see that, that's the logic behind it. Right, and Allah knows best. We're just trying to see the wisdom. We should say not the logic, but the wisdom of why is it that there are wonderful people in homes? It seems like these parents don't deserve such a wonderful kid. That's exactly why he's there to guide them. So that's the and then oh, you great person. I can't believe his kid. That's that's why that kid was assigned to that family, so that family could pull him back into the right direction. So these we're trying to look at the wisdoms of Allah's creation here. So there's never a time that you're going to be outside the will of Allah. Abu Jahl is sitting here saying, if I want to believe, I believe. No, we say you're never exiting the will of Allah. We human beings tend to do what we, what we love 
Allah is not constrained to that because he has knowledge, right? He has knowledge. So he's not, he's not bound to only do what has an immediate benefit. You don't make examples to Allah. There's no analogy with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you have sometimes when someone has an immense amount of knowledge and experience in a field, a human being, they'll take an action that you don't understand. Right? Allah Ta'ala's creation of many painful things, painful things, and inexplicable to us, the creation of Iblis, the being down here in the, in the dunya, messengers only coming every few hundred years, for example. You would think immediately, that's not, you should send messages all the time, everyone would all believe, and chain up Iblis, so we'd all believe and be good. Well, that's not, clearly, Allah knows better. That's not going to achieve the goal, the, the greatest goal. When we all come on Yom Al-Qiyamah, we will see the amazing result of all this. We can't see it. And I love this, the, the, the Persian poet said that we're like an ant that's traveling on an, a massive Persian rug. The ant just sees red uh, cloth, blue cloth, white cloth. He doesn't see the pattern. And nothing makes sense to him. Like, why is this one red and this one white? Why is this thread blue and the next thread is light blue? This makes no sense to me, right? Yeah, because you're like an ant. Lift that ant up and let him look down and boom, you'll see an amazing hadid. Allah says, you will see perfectly. The great wisdom of why Allah created Iblis, why he created pain, why he, cre- he allowed ignorance to flourish in the land, why he allowed oppressors to rise up, all, why sometimes honest people don't get rewarded for their honesty. All these things you will see, the wisdom for all this. So Allah Ta'ala's will, his irada, always has a wisdom, and no human being will make a decision that was not preordained for him to make in other words all your decisions whether you i want to put my hand up or down if i put my hand up that was in allah's will if i put my hand down that's allah's will right in other words i can't even any choice and in, in our understanding of qada and qadr one of the interpretations is that all of qada and qadr is written and so you are choosing one it's it's written in the way of, of the branches of a tree right or the veins of the body or you ever see what the lungs look like on the inside? The roots of a tree. That, okay, today, Ryan has a choice to either do his schoolwork or to come to nothing but facts. If he does his schoolwork, this is what's going to happen, right? If he comes to nothing but facts, this is what's going to happen. It's all ordained. Both choices are ordained, Right? If Allah doesn't want, and, 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 and then if he, if, if he chooses A, well, then this is what's going to happen. If he chooses B, then that's what's going to happen, right? Now, if Allah doesn't want something to happen, you can't choose it. One thing Ryan cannot choose is to be 50 years old today and graduate from school. He can't choose that. You can't be 50 because Allah didn't want it. If Allah does not want something for you, it'll be outside of your ability to choose it, all right? Every one of us, we can disobey Allah where we are today or o- obey Him. You can't disobey Allah yesterday. Go, go back to yesterday and disobey Allah there. You have the cho- I have the choice to obey or disobey today. 
You don't have the choice to do it Sunday. You don't have the choice to do it on Mars. If Allah doesn't want you to do something, you can't choose it. So think of the dichotomy of the choices we have and the choices we don't have, right? I want to obey. I want. I could pray or not pray. I can't do it floating in the air, right? Without being in an airplane. That's the idea here. Okay. So وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ. Don't ever imagine that you have a choice that is outside what Allah ordained. And just because something happens in the world does not mean Allah loves it, and that is the liberal usul. Liberal usul al-fiqh. And their morals are based upon the simple idea that just because it exists and it's not harming anybody, then it should be okay. Is that not the usul of the liberals? That's their methodology of deciding what's right and wrong, right? So when they tell us like... uh, Trans people exist. So, right? <laughs> Does that make it right? And they're not harming anybody. So, that doesn't make anything right or wrong. That's not our usul or anyone who's with common sense's usul. So, the idea of something existing, Allah put it into existence, does not mean He's pleased with it. He may put something in existence and the entire world agrees with it and it's wrong. Right? Simple as that. It, it has nothing to do with right and wrong. And it has nothing to do that I have to accept it. The whole world's doing it. Wait a second. Didn't you guys... Well, the whole world is now accepting of the LGBTQ. Didn't you guys teach us in school that if everyone jumped off a cliff, would you jump off too? Didn't they teach us that in school? Right? It's like the oldest thing in the book. But hold on. You guys grew up and you all jumped off the cliff because everyone was all jumping off the cliff. And you're telling us jump off the cliff too. Hold on, everyone's doing it now. Wake up, it's 2023, right? Um, that's not usul for us. So a thing may be willed by Allah to exist and we are obligated, okay? We are obligated to be against it and to fight against it and to disagree with it, okay? All right, let's open up the Q&A before we go to, hey, hey, uh, let's see what these brothers, if they answered me in terms of where the link is. They didn't answer me. Hey, Abrai, what Zoom should we join as? Yours? Um, we're going to join them, them. Yeah, and then they're going to give us the... Uh, Arcview? But what do you have logged in right now? I have mine. Brian? But is, is Arcview Asifina logged in? Okay. All right, so here is the link. I'm going to put the link up for everybody now. Oh, yeah. Got to get the Oz to, uh, to sign in here. All right, let's take the Q&A here. 
Yes, go ahead. How can some? How can one learn the lesson Allah is trying to teach them? Allah is teaching them through the difficulty. Repeat. How to derive lessons from hard times. How to derive lessons from hard times. That's also uh, something that um, uh, I think that it's all about the first step is belief. Is to believe that the that, that there is a wisdom behind this. And how do you believe that? By remembering the source. Where did this hard, bad thing come from? Now, just because, this is also another mistake people make, just because we hold in a belief that everything is from Allah does not mean that he wants us to accept everything. So, my relative is going astray. That's from Allah. But does that mean okay, that I have to accept it? No. What does the Sharia say? The Sharia is also from Allah. The Sharia says fight against that. Struggle against that. Try to give him da'wah. Try to forbid the wrong. Don't let him corrupt the rest of the family. So I understand this is a test from Allah Ta'ala, but there's also a Sharia for how we handle this test. That's also very important to understand. So you got to have the, 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 the belief of where it's coming from. That will change your attitude towards it. Your nervous system will be kicking up all sorts of chemicals into your brain, as if to say. When, until you say, well, hold on, calm down. It's from Allah. Oh, okay, I can calm down now. Once you calm down, you could think. Okay, if it's from Allah, what is the divine names? The wise, the knowledgeable. What does Allah say about his will towards, towards the pious? Towards people. He's not pleased with them to go in kufr. So all of his actions are for people to come towards faith. Okay? So if I have these, this foundation, then I'm going to start to see the wisdom. Right? I'm going to see the wisdom of why this is happening or that is happening. So that's the concept and the idea here. Okay? You have to have those foundations. All right, go ahead. Vital question. Mm. Um, invited to a Thanksgiving dinner, they're asking if uh, they can say Bismillah on haram food. No, you can't. Eat it's it. going to create an awkward situation. You got to get ahead of the game. Like volunteer Muslims with non-halal eating family, whether they're Muslims or they're not believers, one of the ways to get ahead of the situation is to buy the chicken, the turkey yourself. Uh, volunteer to buy the turkey yourself. Like, you got to get way ahead of this. It's Monday. The dinner is Thursday. Right? Oh, your mom said she bought it already. Well, go in there and, 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 and buy it. Bring the turkey yourself. Swap it out. Right? Find a way to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah, swap it out. Right? Swap it out. Open it up and stick it in the uh, uh, in the bowl to defrost, so she doesn't see the label, right? The new label, right? But you got to find a way to do it. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. That's the only thing I could tell you. I feel for you. There's a lot of families who have this, right? I remember like first, first ever Akita Dars I took with Sheikh Murad. Yeah. Like I won't get into the details of it, but like saying Bismillah over haram food thinking that it, you'll make it halal is like very grave matter. yeah it's, it's a mockery of religion to be honest yeah. with you it is a mockery of religion next question 
would it be mubah to require a psychological evaluation from a potential partner when looking to get married because they've been burnt in the past? A psych eval? Yeah, you can get a psych eval. Nothing wrong with that. You can also have them take... Uh, I think the guy is not going to come back, though. Hey, let's get to know each other. Okay, here. Take us. Take this. Make sure you're not nuts. Uh, it's a bit insulting, but um, maybe you could package it in a way. Like you could say, for example, let's both take a bunch, request documents from each other. Like... A medical report to know that there are no STDs here or sicknesses. Credit report and a psych eval. Like if you bundle, oh, stick, tuck the psych. All right, we're we're doing all these things. She's doing it. I'm doing it. But you come to me and you say you give me. The, well, why don't you give me yours too? I think if you're asking for a psych eval, you're socially not with it. Right? You are socially not with it. To be honest with you, you don't realize that that's insulting to somebody. Right, um, the best psyche eval is asking about people. Like, hey, his mom, what's he up to? His aunt, what's he up to? His friends, what's he up to? His imam at the mosque, what's his deal? And you ask about these things. Some truth will come through. But if you can, if you have to take the psyche eval, tuck, tuck it into a whole bunch of documents, right? That just seems that it fits with those documents. And Allah knows best. Yeah. What about prenups? Prenup? Like what? I guess when it comes to uh, if something happens, uh, you know, dispensation it be, of, of profits or, you know, whatever. Yes, you should have that agreement. There's no such thing as in our Sharia that the man divorces a woman and owes her any money. He does not owe her money after the divorce. He, of course, may owe, he has to take care of his kid 100%. That he owes. And she may eventually, the, mon- the, the food will be all mixed together. So she may benefit from that. So if he sends over $200 for food and then she buys cereal, it's not going to be that uh, only the seventh grade, uh, the, the kid who was like five years old or something, that's his food and this is my food. It does get all mixed up, right? He's eating from it. Yes, she may eat some from it. That's... It, it's impossible otherwise. Happened during the time of the Prophet Not in this case, but in the case of uh, uh, an orphan. So the orphan was somebody who, uh, the Quran said, do not eat the wealth of the orphan. So they would take the orphan's money, buy his food, keep it to the side, but you can't always estimate what people are going to eat, so the food is rotting. They told the Prophet right? But then revelation came with Rukhsa that the food may be mixed up as long as he's eating and you're not stealing from his money. That's the idea. Uh, yes, go ahead. And, and tied to that, I guess there's a new trend now, I guess advice from certain Muslim attorneys, and I'm not saying one or the other is right or wrong, but what are the folk laws saying about not getting legally married but just getting shuddy married? The fuqaha do not accept to, to be involved in a marriage that is shuddy only because in the future the rights... Shara'i means an Islamic marriage versus the civil marriage in the courts because it's been witnessed over and over and over that there are rights that cannot be attained without the court, right? So they don't accept to be involved in such marriages. 
they have to make sure that the marriage is there uh, civilly so that she can get all her rights. Yeah. Um, because the fuqaha and the scholars and the imams may have uh, legal, um, uh, they may have um, sharia knowledge, but they have no executive power, right? I can't uh, um, do anything for you. So the state has to do that. And that's permissible to go to the state for that reason. If it's something that is your right, I can go to a state that is a non-Islamic state and government and police to get something that's my God-given right. So we can do that. Uh, Revert Tax says, what is the ruling on masturbation in Islam? Is it makruh or haram? It's haram. It's forbidden because the Quran says you have what uh, your spouses and what your right hand possesses and فَمَنْ اِبْتَغَى وَرَاءَ ذَٰلِكَ فَأُولَٰئِكُمْ SubhanAllah It's skipping my mind طَاغُونَ um, Is it? I can't believe it's skipping my mind Surah Al-Ma'arij They passed their limit Yeah, they passed their limit So um, Everything beyond the spouse Of sexual pleasure is haram if they create a robot for you, if whatever it is, is all haram. Anything except your wife or your husband. Yourself is haram. Why did Allah limit sexual pleasure like this? To force you to get married, right? Force you to get married, then you can have some kids and you can populate the ummah and you can learn to responsibility and you can do all these things. So to jam us into marriage. There's a reason he's jamming us into marriage. A prenup is something that there is a act. Every marriage has a contract. And any reservations that you have, bring it out before the marriage, put it in a contract. Okay? And that's, that's something that is age-old. It's allowed. The act, the contract. Right? So um, you don't just get married and... and, and um, and not discuss these things. You have to discuss these things well in advance. And what makes sense? To bring it up now or to bring it up after the fact? Which many people say, oh, well, I don't want to scare her away. I don't want to scare him away. So they don't bring it up. And then what they end up doing is living with it like under the rug, under the surface. Uh, one day it, it could be a problem for you. So bring it up everything you want now. right? And if you... Disagree? You better disagree early on than later on. You got to go? All right, man. I do have one final question. Shoot. Um, This is for Noah as well. A lot of people have been asking for a long time, when are we going to have this MBF video for the theme song at the end of the show in the beginning? Oh, that. (laughs) Noah's putting it together. Yeah, he's going to put it together for us. We have... Yeah, we have to, he's going to put it together and we're going to put it out. Because we do have a, a theme uh, a th- uh, that we, we use at the end of this. And we're going to put the whole thing out in a video, inshallah. Take care. Assalamu alaikum. All right, let's wrap up because we got to shift over to the uh, Madiki Fiqh introduction to the Madiki Madhab. And we got to see who's going to run that because Ryan's got to go. Everyone's got to go. Oz can't make it. Habib can't make it. I don't even know who's going to run it. So, yes. Who? Can you? You have your phone? It's dead. I'll do it then. All right, folks. Um, last question. It's it's Vitamin Noor says, 
In Maliki Fiqh during Salah after the first two units in a four-unit prayer, like Dhuhr, Asr, or Aisha, can you stand for the duration of three subhanAllah in place of Surah Al-Fatiha? If you're praying by yourself, you must recite Surah Al-Fatiha. Surah Al-Fatiha is a fard. You cannot skip a fard on purpose. You nullify your Salah on the spot. If you forget a fard, you can make up for it by just in your mind canceling that rakah, bringing uh, another rakah, and then do sujood as sahu. But you cannot intentionally leave off uh, the uh, fatiha. The only time that you do it, you're not obligated to recite fatiha. When you're praying behind an imam, you don't have to recite fatiha. You could just stand there. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadun la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natu ilayk wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladhina amanu aminu al-salihat wa tawasub al-haq wa tawasub al-sabr wa assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah